just, uh, I, I pray that uh, even as we change things up on a morning, that, that the consistency would be that your spirit is, is working in our hearts. That when we respond to the message, it is truly a worship response. That worship is not just the singing part, but also what we do when we hear and, and when we apply what we're hearing. Help us do that well, Holy Spirit. Please have your way in our hearts. And as we sing later, leading up to communion, I pray that you would, uh, again, work in us the, the wonder of your salvation and, and, and the centrality of the cross. The cross is it. Without it, we have no reason to be happy because, because you took the punishment, Jesus, that we deserve. So I pray for a very uh, meaningful service as we respond to you and what you've done for us. So uh, be with us now as we... Uh, as we look at your word, we give this time to you. And please bless our kids also as they go downstairs and do their children's church. I pray that they so enjoy their time looking at your word and, and praying about it. In Jesus' name, amen. So there is a pastor that decided he wasn't going to attend sporting events anymore. No more going to games. Done. And he blogged about it. And he wanted to give uh, his church and others 12 reasons why he wasn't going to go to sporting events anymore. I want to show you each of these reasons because they're very important for you to understand why maybe you shouldn't go to sporting events anymore. And because the Packers are done this season, this is safe to say. Okay? All right. Number one, the coach never came to visit him. Well, that's not fair, you know. I mean, the coach is kind of distant and didn't, didn't really take a special interest in that, that guy, you know, so, okay. Number two, every time the pastor went, they asked him for money. Tickets, $50 and up. I mean, who, who has that kind of money to spend, really? Number three, the people sitting in his row didn't seem very friendly. And if you're not sitting by friendly people, why go to sporting events? Number four, the seats were really hard. Really hard. You know, the Packers seats, they're not, they're not comfortable, right? I, I, I can attest to that. Seats are hard. Number five, the referees made a decision he didn't agree with. Well, that's not fair, you know. I mean, referees getting it wrong. Why, why put up with that? Why put up with bad decisions? Number six, I was sitting with the hypocrites. They only came to see what others were wearing. Not very fair. Number seven, some games went into overtime, and he was late getting home. Got to hate overtime. I mean, that just ruins your schedule, ruins your day. You don't want to stay late at a game. Number eight, the band played some songs he had never heard before during halftime. That's not, I mean, you've you got to know the music to go to a sports game. You've you got to know everything they're going to do if you're going to go there. No new songs. Number nine. The games are scheduled on my only day to sleep in and run errands. Sunday games, I mean, Sunday's prime time to relax. Why would you go to a sporting event on Sunday? That's your relaxation day, all right? Number 10, my parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. They just ruined it. The parents just ruined it. They'd get up and be like, get up, let's go. Let's go see the game. Number 11, since I read a book on sports, I feel I know more than the coaches anyway. Yep. And lastly, number 12, I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sports they like best. 
Okay. Some of you are sinking in a little bit. So you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. These are our church excuses, but turned into sporting events. Um, now, uh, all that to say, there's a lot of reasons people don't get involved in church and don't, and don't become part of a local body. Maybe if we were all as excited about God as we were about whatever team that is that's amazing that you love, it would be easier for us to get involved. Although I would tell you, I don't want anybody like talking back to me like you do the refs. I've seen some of you, okay? I don't want that here. You can save that for the cross-training afterwards. You can tell me what you want then, okay? But not, not now, all right? <laughs> so, okay. Um, I want to I wanna talk about the importance of all of us being as involved as we can be in the local church. Now, not crazy involved, like we're running around just doing silly things we're not thinking about, but, but really being wisely involved and invested in the local church. To do that, I want, to turn, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Would you go there? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to go to uh, verse 12. <clears throat> a lot of you know a lot of things about the Corinthian church because they're well known for their bad reputation. You know, I mean, it's kind of one of those churches like we all kind of like, like, tell me what you know about the Thessalonians. And, and you might give pause and say, I'm not sure what I know about the Thessalonians, but tell me about the Corinthians. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, I mean. They, they had sexual immorality going on in that church. They fought over communion. Who fights over communion? Look, if we get to the end of this service and we're fighting over who gets the bread next, I mean, we got some big problems. And that's what they had here. They had big problems. And, and then they would do like this spiritual superiority thing. You know, the people that spoke in tongues, they were really the greatest Christians. And they would even have like Christian celebrities they would kind of take on their culture and apply a lot of it to the church. So in the culture, you had like these patrons in Roman culture, and, and like you would you would follow a patron. You know, like they're like you're you support them politically, and, and and you love them, and they're rich. Well, they just applied that whole thing to the church, and they're like, I like Apollos, I like Paul, and some people would say, I like Jesus Christ. Beat that, you know. Um, and so. This is what they did. They, they followed their favorite uh, uh, Christians, and, and then they divided over those things. So this church had a lot of issues, but it's interesting that Paul spends two letters, and he references a third, trying to write to this dear church. He never gives up on them. He always believes that they can work this out according to the truth of God, which is what this scripture is. It's like, I believe in you, God believes in you, you will work this out. If you really have his spirit, he can fix this in our midst, okay? So um, that, that, that's the tenor of what, what Paul's doing in the church. Um, so when we look at 1 Corinthians 12, he's in the middle of dealing with their uh, uh, messed up understanding of spiritual gifts. And, and, and namely, that Tongue seems to be at the top of the list, and other gifts are lower, and you get looked down on if you don't have these very spectacular, uh, uh, miraculous displays of the Spirit. Okay, so that's the context of what Paul's doing when he writes 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Let's take a look at it. Just as the body, the one, <clears throat> has many parts, 
but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And I'll stop just for a second to say, this is Paul's main focus right in this section. You know, one body, many parts. That's pretty simple to remember. His main focus is there's one body, there's many parts. Let's keep going. Verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that the parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Don't you love how he bookends his main point? It's actually in the middle, in, in the middle too. Like he, on both sides of that section, he says, you are the body, one, and each of you are a part of it. Unity in the diversity. One body, many parts. So that's what Paul's trying to get across. Now, the way he does it, and remember, he's dealing with a church that is in many ways very immature in how they're using their gifts. And he gives a very fun analogy on how they can think about their church as a literal body. And he takes the analogy to the furthest extent he can go and has them imagine, what if the whole body were like one eye? How, how weird would that be? You know. So he wants them to get, I know, it's imaginative. It's so creative. So go with it. Let's go with it for a second and, and look at this passage and think about like, what is he really saying here? You, using our imagination and getting in our, in our mind's eye a whole body that would be an ear or a whole body that would be a foot. That'd be a stinky body, by the way. Um, what, is, what is he trying to tell the church using this very creative and even humorous way of writing? Well, it seems like he's giving the church at least four implications. If, if you're one body with many parts, then there's four things that are true about you. The first thing that's true about each person in this room that believes in Jesus is that you belong that you belong look at the text again with me uh, verse 15 again if the foot should say because i'm not a hand i don't belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body if the ear should say because i'm not an eye i don't belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body i think it's interesting that the first analogy that he gives is the foot the foot. Now, of course, you know that culture. Feet do smell. They do get really dirty. 
which is why Jesus' act of foot washing is so uh, amazing. You know, it's not, who wants to wash someone's dirty, smelly, dusty feet? Who wants to do that? Well, Jesus does that. That's what he does. So, so feet are not like very honorable parts of the body, and yet, and yet there they are. And so the foot is looking up at the hand and saying, I'm not a hand. I stink, you know. <laughs> I, I'm not a hand. But by saying that, does that mean the foot doesn't, is not part of the body? No, of course it's part of the body, he says. You, you belong. I think there are people in here that see other people's spiritual gifts on display. The preaching, the Sunday school teaching, <clears throat> the, uh, uh, the, the, the people leading worship, perhaps. And they say, I can't lead worship. You won't catch me dead on the stage. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing that. Uh, I don't have one of those really great spiritual gifts. The really showy ones. I, I think... For a lot of us, we have uh, an unspoken ranking of gifts in our minds. And we say, these are the important gifts. And whatever I got's down here at the bottom where the foot is. And because my gifts are not so important, if I don't do anything, no one will miss me. I don't even feel like I belong here. This church doesn't really need me. Those, those are all very satanic things to say. I'm, I'm not saying you're possessed by Satan. I'm just saying these are the lies that Satan wants to produce in our hearts. He wants you to say things like that to yourself. I don't have spectacular gifts like they do. So I don't really belong here. And if I stopped going to that church, I don't think anybody would miss me. And so you stop going. And lo and behold, nobody calls you. And you say, well, see, there it is. <laughs> They don't. They don't don't care. I think, I I wonder if the reason he went from foot to hand is to imply that very point. You're looking up and saying, I I don't belong with those super spiritual people up there doing those things. And Paul says, that would be like saying the foot doesn't belong on your body. You need every single part. You belong here. It's really simple. It's not, it's, not, it's not profound. It's just that it doesn't matter what part you are and what you, part you play. You belong here. You belong here. Second thing he says, if you look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, again, get it in your mind, a big eyeball for a body, <laughs> Where would the sense of hearing be? Okay, well, let's say you got hearing then. But if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, here's he's restating his main point again. There are many parts, one body. So the second thing Paul wants to say to us is, you're different. You're all different. Just just think. Just think if all of us were one part. Just just think of how messed up that will be. I mean, we have a ministry of firewood, right? And Dave, you're part of that. Uh, and, and, you know, chop firewood and deliver it to people. Like, what, what if that's all we did all day? What if all of us were firewood choppers and that's amazing? By the way, whenever I tell people that ministry, to people in other churches, they always say, that's an amazing, that's a great ministry to have. That's a perfect Northwoods ministry to have. 
giving firewood to people that need it. That's great. But let's say we all did that. We come together on Sunday morning and we chop wood. That's what we do. We chop wood. And maybe we could get in a certain rhythm, right? Maybe we get in a certain rhythm and someone that was breaking out of the mold would start singing songs during that chopping, you know? It'd be like, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work, I go. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But we'd all be chopping, right? And we wouldn't have one fireplace over here. And it certainly wouldn't be gas-powered. It would be wood-powered, people. Because we're firewood people. All right, we chop wood for the service. Then we'd all go out and bless people with wood. And, and when you had a marriage problem, I would say to you, you know what? You know what you need to do? Your marriage is breaking. Man, I'm sorry. Come out with me. Let's chop some wood. It, it'll work it all out. Just, just getting that stress out, you know? Get it all out. Your wife should try it too. It would really be good for her. Just make sure you're not around while she's chopping. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't in the notes. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. We're all different. We're all different. Um, now, uh, it's good to be different. It's good to be different. And we're each suited to a different task. Think about this. Um, there's a whole bunch of different spiritual gifts. And uh, now, now imagine, imagine how we respond differently to a situation. I want to exaggerate for a moment, since that's what Paul did. Let me exaggerate for a second. Let's say you're downstairs, and you're, you're eating dessert. By the way, we have birthday cake today. It's Scott Epler's birthday. Where's Scott at? Oh, it's, it's coming soon? 23rd. Okay. But we're celebrating? Was that a surprise? Did I let something out of the bag? Good, good, good. Okay. So we're having some birthday cake today, even though it's not Scott's birthday. <laughs> okay. Um, but let's say you're eating some birthday cake and you spill it onto the floor. And all the different spiritual gifts start to get in action right downstairs. It's a beautiful sight to behold. The person with the gift of preaching or prophecy says, well, you should have been more careful because, uh, you know, shouldn't let that happen again. Let's repent and not do that, okay? And then the person with the gift of service comes up and says, I'll clean that up and bends over and cleans it up. The, per- the person with the gift of administration says, I'll get three people to clean it up and mop the area. We'll get this thing going. Administrate. You know who you are. Okay. Um, the person with the gift of mercy says, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That must be embarrassing. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Okay. Well, we'll stop there. We'll stop. <laughs> but, but, you know, we're, we're all tasked... We have different tasks we have to accomplish. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God had prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2, right? So, we use our gifts to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. We're all different. And different is good. Different's good if there's only one body we're talking about. One body, lots of differences. We can get a lot of things done here if we're all using our different gifts. Okay, let's keep going. I said much more than I wanted to there, all right? <laughs> okay, uh, look at verse 21, and we're going to read through 24, actually, here, a little bit further than what your notes say. <clears throat> uh, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Where our presentable parts need no special treatment. Okay, so here he's envisioning 
the eye, and who's the eye talking to? The hand. The eye's looking down at the hand and saying, I don't need you. Not really. I don't really need you. Is it possible that those of us with more showy spiritual gifts look down at those that don't have them? Is it possible those of us with very well-known gifts that seem to be indispensable, like how could we have church without that person, look down and say, the hand's not really that important, not as important as I am. Let's beware of that temptation, you with spiritual gifts that we all know about because you use them. And we love the fact you're using them. But would you be careful not to give off the feeling in any way that those that don't have the gifts you have, have less. Number three is, then, you are necessary. You are necessary. Every part of the body is necessary. I mean, you think about preaching. I preach with my mouth. I've never tried to preach standing on one foot, you know? And I don't want to, because I walk around all the time. You can't just do it with one. You need all of it. To preach, I need my hands, I need my feet, I need my brain, I need my mouth and my eyes to look at you. I need a lot of different parts to communicate the scriptures well. I do. And so if you, with whatever part you feel like you play, or no part at all, if you're not engaged, we're losing out. The church is losing out. We're losing out. Because you're not engaged. And we're, we're hopping around trying to do the best we can. And maybe nobody even notices the hop because it's just become so normal. But we are, because you're not engaged. <clears throat> Every part is necessary. Um, so it might encourage you to thank the parts that don't normally get thanked. I, I think. How many of you volunteer in our nursery and children's church? Could you raise your hand? Could I, could I see you raise, if you volunteer in nursery and children's church? Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, think about it. I don't know how often you get thanked, but I don't want to leave my children with someone I don't trust. So you've got to be responsible. You go through a background check to do those things. For you in children's church, you prepare a lesson for our kids so that people can sit up here and and, and listen to the word being preached. You, You enable other people to more fully engage. Because yes, it can be distracting to have kids next to you as much as we love them. It's a good thing to have children's church going. Thank you. And, and I could go on and pick other people, but the rest I'm leaving to you. Would you thank the people that you see serving? Would you thank them? And not assume that they all know how valuable they really are to this body. Okay. Fourthly and lastly, would you look at verse 24 with me, and we'll go through 26. Uh, 24. 
Um, well, our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Okay, so I love this. The last point, very simple. We're connected. You're, you're connected. People over here are connected to people over here. People in the middle are connected. I mean, we're all connected to each other. If one part suffers, we suffer. If one part rejoices, we rejoice. I mean, it, just just using a, a, a very, t- taking Paul's words literally, if I'm using a hammer and I hit my finger, what was the first thing you do? You like grab the finger, right? You know, you're like, ah, you know, and you, you grab your finger. If you hurt your head, you do this. Like, why is it that your parts of your body get so involved when one part is hurting, you know? Instinctively, that's what you do. I'm hurt. i got to take care of it. That's, that's the analogy for us. You're hurt. We want to pray for you. We want to help in, in appropriate ways. We, we want to be a body that cares for each other. Now, let me say something more convicting. If there's an outstanding offense with someone in this room, or maybe in a lighter sense, someone you just don't get along well with, their personality and yours just doesn't jive, right? And so when you see them, you're like, yeah, I'll talk to him because I'm supposed to, but ugh, just, just the way they are. I just know they're full of pride. I just know it, you know. You, you know how we do that? I know they're talking about me. Um, What's your reaction when something bad happens that you don't get along with? Dare you feel pleased at an illness they have, an accident that happens in their life, something bad? If you can't mourn with those who mourn, if you can't feel sorrow with those who feel sorrow, I would take that to God. I would get with that person and confess the offenses. Boy, we rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. We rejoice with uh, Brandon and Jackie Sharp this week with their little baby, Cecily. I don't think they're here this morning, are they? They didn't slip in without me seeing. I don't think they did. Um, you can continue to pray for Cecily. Uh, she needs to keep gaining weight. Uh, Six-pound baby, you know, tiny little thing. Saw her in the hospital. She just needs to keep gaining weight if you'd pray for that. But we rejoice with them. We rejoice. And we serve them meals. You know, you can sign up uh, to, to give them a meal. Um, we rejoice. That's what we do. So here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to end our time, okay? So I don't, I don't want to go over too much. Um, just a few words of pastoral advice about spiritual gifts, and we'll bring the worship team back up, and we'll, we'll do some more worship together. Um, this, this one in your notes, if you're taking notes, I don't have this explained like word for word. Uh, there were some things that I just wanted to say, like just from a pastor to church on spiritual gifts. You can write down what you want to write down. You can forget what you want to forget. It's, it's okay. All right. Um, but a few words. Um, number one, my personal pastoral advice. Uh, and, oh, and by the way, maybe I should make this clear. Next to you, you have two pieces of paper. I think one is, is blue and the other one looks yellow or greenish to me from up here. Um, if you would take one of each of those and pass them down, that'd be really good to, if you to have those as I, as I share this. 
One of those is a ministry interest survey. That survey is areas in this church that we would like to connect people to. Serving areas. Maybe next year we'll even have more serving areas than this year because people are stepping up and saying, hey, I see something that we're not doing at all. It would be really great to serve the body. But these are areas that we have in this church. The other form is a spiritual gifts list. Okay? A spiritual gifts list. If you need to, um, what we would like to do is have every single person turn in both of those pieces of paper. If you're already serving in a ministry, there's a spot at the bottom of that paper to say, hey, I'm serving already in this area and write it in. Love you. Thank you. Just turn it in. And we'd also like to create a database of all the different spiritual gifts represented here. All the gifts. Pretty cool. Um, and then, if you're a member here, we'll know who to call to say, hey, we got, we got an opportunity here. Would you prayerfully consider this? And you can say yes or no, but you pray about it and see what God does. So would you turn those in either next Sunday or go down during the coffee hour and fill it out or whatever? If you need a spiritual gifts test to kind of help you think about like what gift might be yours, there's one online you can go to. It's on that paper. I believe there's copies in the foyer as well if you want to take it physically and fill it out. So, um, okay, here's my thing on uh, spiritual gifts. If I could do this in like three minutes, it'd be amazing, but we'll see, okay? Um, number one, we're asking each of you to discover, develop, and deploy your spiritual gift. If you don't know what your gift is, we want you to discover that here. I would love to sit down with you and talk about it. Boy, it would make my day if someone calls me and says, I took the test, I want to talk more about it. I'd be like, get in here, let's talk. That's amazing, let's do this. Um, we want you to develop your gift. Use it, start flexing that muscle and get deployed in a ministry. You're serving the Lord, okay? Serving the body. All right. Secondly, the best way to discover a spiritual gift is to try it out and see what God does. You can take the test that we provided. That's great. But the best way is to try things out and see what God blesses. I mean, there have been times in my life were with my spiritual gifts where the lights just went on. And they didn't go on when I was taking the test. They went on when I was doing something. Okay? Do the gift. Number three. Some teachers have separated the gifts into three categories. Three categories. Speaking gifts, like, like preaching, evangelism, exhortation. These are speaking things. I'm encouraging you. I'm preaching. I'm teaching. Speaking. Some gifts are serving gifts, like the gift of helps, the gift of hospitality, the gift of administration. These are serving gifts. And then lastly, there's sign gifts. You won't find sign gifts on our list here because this is not a church that is practicing those gifts in our service. We're not teaching against them or speaking against them. We're just saying we're not using them in our worship services or in our direct ministries of the church. I'll refer to that one more time in the next point I'm making. Okay, uh, number four. Oh, maybe number five I'm going to refer to it. Just because, go back to number four, that's all good. Just because you don't have a certain gift doesn't mean you're exempt from doing that gift. Okay? Those of you that get scared about sharing your faith and you're glad you don't have the gift of evangelism, guess what? You're not exempt. Neither am I. There's a reason Paul encourages Timothy to keep evangelizing. It makes me think Timothy probably didn't have the gift of evangelism.
but he wasn't supposed to neglect that area of ministry. That would be wrong. It's wrong for Timothy. It's wrong for you. We all have to share our faith. Some of you, though, have the gift of it, and it just flows out of you. I love that. I wish I had that that way when I'm just like with people around town. But it doesn't exempt me. I need to keep doing that. Number five, no gift list in the Bible is the same. So all I'm saying is, this is why it's pastoral advice. There might be more gifts. I'm just saying there might. If you look at each gift list in the Bible, you say, oh, each of them are very different. There's not like one definitive gift list. Maybe if Paul wrote a fourth, fifth, sixth list, he would have put some more in there. Like, for instance, think about the musicians in the Old Testament who were filled with the Spirit to lead music. I think we've got some Spirit-empowered musicians here, don't you? There's some cool stuff going on here. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there's a spiritual gift of leading worship. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying it's in the Bible. I'm just saying it kind of is in the Bible if you think about Old Testament musicians, though. The psalmists, you know, and those musicians. So that's pretty cool. Okay. Number six. Uh, there are four main views of sign gifts. Cessationists, open but cautious, charismatic slash Pentecostal, and third wave. Um, okay. Boy, this, this could be a whole sermon, but I'm just giving this to you so you know. Uh, the sign gifts are like speaking in tongues, working miracles, healing. I could do a whole message on that and go into every little nuance. We could do that, but I'm not doing it today. I'm trying to give what I think is best for this church right now. But there are four views. If you want to look up a good book, I think there's a book called Four Views of, of, of Miraculous Gifts. You read that book. I think Grudem, Wayne Grudem is the editor of that book. It's a good one. Read it if you want to know more. But cessationist basically says that the miraculous gifts, the sign gifts, have ceased. So God has not given them anymore. So whatever's happening in charismatic churches is not legitimate, is what cessationists would say. I mean, they're well-intentioned, but, it's, but God's not giving that gift anymore. Um, the second one is open but cautious. Open but cautious is like God can give whatever gift he wants. That He's God. He can give tongues if he wants. He can give gifts of healing if he wants. He's God. But we are being cautious because we've seen some of the divisiveness that those miraculous gifts bring to church bodies. We're cautious about it. And we're not necessarily doing that in our church services. Okay? Charismatic Pentecostal would teach that the sign gifts are in full operation today. And when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, which happens after your salvation, that's when those sign gifts come into play. You start speaking in tongues that shows the Spirit came into you. Okay, That's charismatic Pentecostal. There's some nuances there, by the way, that I'm not getting into. Charismatic versus Pentecostal, they're a little different. But for our purposes, they're teaching gifts of tongues fully operational. Prophecy that tells the future, fully operational. Okay, And we do have folks in our church that speak in tongues. And I'm not telling them not to. Okay, There we are. Um, third wave is like another variation here. Third wave says, everybody's baptized in the Spirit. Only some people get the gift of tongues, though. But we're all baptized in the Spirit. If I was going to be in a tongue-speaking church, I'd probably do third wave, because I believe Scripture's clear. You can see it in the text we we read today. We're all baptized into one body. 1 Corinthians 12.12. We're all baptized into into one body by one spirit. The spirit is in all of you that believe in Jesus. Okay? That's the views in general. You want to know where I stand? 
Uh, my, I'll put myself out there. I'm in the open but cautious category. I grew up cessationist. My, that's what my parents believe. Uh, I'm in the open but cautious category. If you want to talk more about that, we can do that in cross-training over here, and we can hash that out a little bit more. But um, the verse that changed my mind about whether tongues could be given today was 1 Corinthians 1.7. Shall I read it to you? I mean, it changed my whole perspective. When I was at Moody Bible Institute, I wrote papers from a cessationist viewpoint. You know, I mean, that's who I was. That's what I believed. 1 Corinthians 1.7 changed my mind. Paul says, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Paul's saying, he, Paul is viewing all these gifts in the book of 1 Corinthians to be operational until Christ comes back. And he hasn't come back yet. Now, I'm not saying that I'm right about that. I'm only saying when Paul wrote this, his view was these gifts will work until Jesus comes. Okay. But I am cautious because I've seen some of the divisiveness that the miraculous gifts bring. So we're not practicing it here. Again, if you want to talk more about that, we'll do that over there. Okay, finally, part seven. Please fill out the ministry interest survey and the spiritual gifts list and turn them in. You can bring them down to the office downstairs. You can give them to an usher up here. Bring them back next week. There's lots of ways you can get them to us. But please fill them out. We'd like to know um, where you're serving at currently, what you'd like to serve in. Um, there's lots of different opportunities. Okay? Thank you. Uh, let me pray now for us. I'm going to invite the worship team back up, and we're going to praise Jesus some more. Let's do that. Worship team, come on up. Lord Jesus, thank you that we have unity in this body in spite of our diversity. Thank you that you've called us to use our gifts for your glory. Father, I pray for those that are not engaged the way they wish they were. Help them take that step and use the gifts that they... Maybe they need to discover their gifts. Help them discover them. And for those of us that are active and involved and we've been doing it for a long time, Help us not look down on others. Help us help others to be involved. In Jesus' name, amen.